And if you were here with us last week, Pastor Josh kicked off our legacy series and he talked about the notion of living beyond ourselves and the notion that, that God has woven into the fabric of who we are, this notion to make a difference, to do something. And we discovered what type of candy bar we are, right? How many remember that? You know, crunch bar, you know, maybe you were a milk dud, whatever the case was. Uh, it, it was a great thing. And as funny as that is, if we're honest this morning, one of the major things that holds us back from finding freedom or even more than that, walking out our purpose and making a difference in life is our finances, right? I mean, let, let's be real. That's one of the biggest struggles we have. And so that's why I think this time, the Freedom Project, and even through our legacy series, you're going to hear us reference FPU and things like that. It's because we believe wholeheartedly that if you get in line with God and, and allow him to show you what it means to manage your finances, that you will have a lasting legacy and not one of fame or glory, but one of one that will impact and shape the future lives of people that you intersect with on a week-to-week basis. And so I just, I just want to encourage you today to hang in with me and let's see what God wants to do. And our key verse that we've really been looking at simply is Ephesians 4.1. And I want to just go there with you and, and, and help you realize today that, that there are a lot of practical things that you can do in, in financial peace and in the Freedom Project. There's a lot of practical, planned-out steps that you can take. But I want to encourage you this morning that there's a faith element. Don't look past that notion that there's more to just the immediate and what you can do in and of yourself. Mark Batterson says it best when he says it like this. Work like everything depends on you, but pray like everything depends on God. See, and, and that's a great statement. And so this morning, I want to encourage you is, is let's look at that faith side, that faith side of what we're doing in our legacy journey. And it's just simply this, Ephesians 4, 1, it says, I urge you, or a better way would say, I beg you to live a life worthy of the call you have received. And Paul is telling us this, and he's, he's encouraging us and letting us know that our life has meaning. It has value. It's not just here. You know, we're not just existing in this life, but that there's a purpose. There is something ordained for you and I to do. But I want to go past this a little bit more because when the Bible was written, you would understand that they didn't have chapter and verse breakdowns. It was just, you know, a letter. And so they've broken those down and given us like chapter four, verse one for our benefit. And I'm, I'm extremely thankful because it makes reading the Bible so much easier. But what happens in that is sometimes we lose some of the continuity or the flow that the letter has. And so I want to jump back just a couple verses in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And I want you to see and really grasp what Paul is making a statement here to us. It's this. It says, now to him who is, a me- to, is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And he's saying right here that God wants to get involved in your life and do more than what you could ever imagine. Do more than what you could ever think according to his power that is at work within us. And to be, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And then he goes in, now I urge you to live a life worthy of the call. See how he sets it up. It's such a beautiful picture as he's telling us we have a God that wants to actively engage in our life and who we are and do more than we could ever dream possible, imagine possible 
And then as he tells us that, and it's going to be so that his name gets the glory. And then he goes and he gives the command. Now I urge you. Now I beg you to go live this life. See, and that's what God is speaking to here. Is he wants us to be more. See, my fear is, is that us, we've just adapted to this ordinary life. You know, and the reality is, is God doesn't want us to live ordinary. He wants us to be extraordinary. He wants us to be different. You know, even in Psalm 35, he tells us that God wants to stoop down and make us great. See, God doesn't want us to live in the ordinary. He doesn't want us to live in just a plain, simple life. But I think too often for most of us, we get into this mold. It's become predictable, right? It's become just mundane, if you will. We know what's going to happen. We know the next steps. For some of you even now, you've looked at your notes and you found the five blanks already. You said, I've got those filled in. So I'm ahead of you, Brian. I know where you're going this morning. And, and that's just, that's what life has been for you. It, it's just, it, you know what's going to happen next. You know the very thing that's going to take place tomorrow. And you know where your life's going. You even say in your mind, I've got this. I've got it all figured out. But there's more to it. God wants to move you past just what you can do. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to think beyond that. How many have ever seen or remember the movie Bucket List? Anybody in here? I know it goes back like seven, eight years. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a pretty cool movie. Uh, but basically, the gist of the movie, the concept is, is that these two older gentlemen are given terrible news that they have a terminal disease. Uh, one of them, which is extremely wealthy, decides that they are together going to write out their bucket list and they're going to go do everything on their list before they kick the bucket. And so it's, it's a really good movie. It really is. It's a lot of fun. And I can remember watching it even all those years ago. And it just got me stirred up and I started thinking about, you know, I want to have my own list, right? And, and even as I began to prepare this message and think about it today, that was my thought. It was like, man, I want to go back to that list and kind of remember some of the things that I put on that list. I'll be honest with you, some things have changed. You know, I have two daughters now, and so that really changes a lot, right? You think about things way differently when you have two little girls. Uh, boys, just stay away. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's, it's okay. Uh, now, but, and so it got me, even as I was preparing this, it got me to go back to that and really think about it. And if I'm honest with you, when I, when I think about some of the things I put on and I recognize that my life has really become mundane and, and boring in a sense, because I'm not striving for some of those things I've put on that list. And see, and God wants us to go past that. And so, like I said, this week I went back and I kind of redid it. And one of the things as I was sitting there and I was thinking about, I put on the list is that I want to love the person that I'm going to give my girls to. You know, I want to love the man that is going to marry my daughter. Not, you know, in the simple sense of love. I know she's going to love him, but I want to love him as he's my own son. I want to know that. And that's, that's on my list. You know, that's something that I want to hold on to. You know, I want to skydive. Who's with me? You got any brave people? That, much more than the 9 o'clock service. That's right. So they were scared. Like, they didn't even raise their hand. They were, like, looking down. Uh, but, you know, I want to do that. You know, I want my life to be something more. I want to be able to travel and train up and develop the next generation of youth pastors. You know, that's my heart. You know, I want to travel to all the Major League Baseball parks and NFL stadiums. And I've got a lot knocked out. 
You know, and it's, it's fun. You know, I, I got to go to the St. Louis one. I'm not trying to rub it in. I was at the Dome before. It's not the Dome, really, but... So, sorry. If you're looking for a team, the Redskins, they'll take all the fans they can get. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, but there are some practical things on my list that I can accomplish just getting in the car and going and doing. But, you know, there are some things that I know that have to be greater than that. You know, I want our church to create a legacy and build leaders that can go into hurting and dying churches throughout our community and bring them back to life and draw them back to what they were. You know, I want to own a cheetah, right? I'm telling you, I want to own a cheetah. You're all like, man, I know how to pray for him, <laughs> especially his wife right now. If he wants a cheetah, you know, was, I recognize some of these things I may not accomplish or I may not get to do, but it doesn't stop me from putting them on my list. You know, I want that cheetah. It's probably not a good idea because it'll eat my children. Okay. But I still want it. You know, I want to create like a zoo, you know, I I will, I would be the person that will buy a zoo here if you let me. So it's just that I don't like dogs, but I like the weird animals. So, so bring them. And and I want to encourage you this morning, as funny and as crazy as that seems at times for you to create your own list, go home today, this week and begin to write those things out and dream a little bit, make it more than just the simple things that you can do in and of yourself. That it will take a little bit of help, you know, because when you do that, life happens. There's something neat that stirs up within us when we begin to dream and we begin to look beyond what our own abilities are. But I want to caution you, too, because there are things in our lives, if we let them, that will stop our legacy. You know, there'll be legacy stoppers, if you will. And the first one is simply this, is that we can have a wrong view of self, Right. We look at ourselves the wrong way. We have a poor assessment of who we are. You know, we think that just because, you know, we put ourselves down or we think we're not good enough, that that's the idea of humility. And that's not humility on any level. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You get that? You can have confidence in who you are in the abilities that God has placed within you. But putting other people first is the priority in your life. That's humility. And so look at it that way. You know, some of the things that I think hold us back in this area, number one, are our insecurities, right? What are other people going to think? How are they going to view me? How are they going to see me if I really own a cheetah, right? Nobody's going to want to come to my house. They're going to be scared. And that leads me to fear, right? We get fearful, Do you know that fear is one of the biggest motivators in our life? It will keep us from doing some of the greatest things God wants us to do in our life if we let it. Inadequacy. We think that we're not good enough. We're not, I can't speak to the masses. You know, we tell our students all the time, you know, I'm not telling you that that God's telling you to stand on your cafeteria table at school and speak to the masses. But if he does, would you be willing See, and some of us, we get so fearful that I'm not good enough. I can't accomplish this. I don't look the right part, you know? I'm not as well-dressed as that person, or I don't have the financial backing that some of these other people have. Don't worry about those things. And then there's reluctance, right? Some of us, if we're just honest, we're procrastinators, right? We just sit on our hands. It's like, well, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. You know, and we just sit there. 
First Peter tells us this, and I want you to hear this and see this. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, God has called you. He has chosen you to do something great. And can I tell you something this morning? If he has called you and chosen you, he has given you everything you're ever going to need to accomplish what it is that your life has meaning for. Whatever you're supposed to make a difference in, God has equipped you. Even if you don't see it in yourself, he's placed it there. And he has called you as one of his own, as a chosen generation. So take a chance, step out. The second wrong view that we have is one of people, right? Let's just be honest. Man, people annoy us, don't they? Right? They either do two things, right? They either irritate us or they entertain us, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of what people do. And, it, and it's really our choice how we choose to view people. You know, for some of us, we're, we're doing everything we can not to have an interaction with people. We show up 30 minutes to work so I can get to my office so I don't have to run into somebody. Or we show up 15 minutes early to church and go, I'm going to go sit in my seat and hopefully nobody will see me. Come and talk to me. Because I just, we have this view of people. And that's not what it is. Matthew 9:36 tells us, and this is Jesus himself. It says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus saw something in people very different than I think what we see. And we have to develop that and not have this wrong view. See, for some of us, we forget, we conveniently, I should say, forget that the mountain behind us that's been labeled as Meth Mountain is there. And that there are hurting and broken and lost people that are just waiting to hear the name of Jesus, to find an escape and a freedom. And we have to start viewing them because when we view them in the right way, it's what drives us to pray, to give, and to serve. And see, and that's what will keep our legacy as a church going. See, the moment we begin to forget about that, our legacy will begin to fade individually and as a church as a whole. And so we have to have that right view of people. Don't let it become twisted. And I'm not going to pretend that's easy. It's, it's going to be a challenge. But trust that God will help you with that. And the third thing is simply this, is that we have a wrong view of God, right? We tend to forget that we serve a big, miracle-working God, right? We put him in a box so often and say, well, if I can't do it, you're not going to be able to do it, God. And that's not what he is there. God is so much bigger, so much greater than what we give him credit for a lot of times. You know, the Bible tells us over and over again that he can do immeasurably more than what we could hope or imagine or even ask. You know, Mark Batterson also says this. If you can't tell, I really like reading his stuff. It's really good. But he says this. He says, do something so big that it's destined to fail if God's not in it. See, I think that's the lifestyle that we need to to grasp. I think that's the life that God is calling us to. Does he want us to be able to do things in and of our own ability? Absolutely. That's why he gives us gifts and talents because he knows we have the capability of doing some things. But he doesn't want us to rest on those things alone. He wants us to dream with him, to envision something so great that if he's not in it, it's gonna fall apart. It's gonna fall to pieces. And Jeremiah even kind of encourages us in this 
In 32, verse 17, it says this, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and outstretched arm, hear this, nothing is too hard for you. See, some of us, we think, well, you know, God really can't do that. I shouldn't ask him if I can get a cheetah. Yeah, I keep coming back to that. I'm trying to plant some seeds. If you know somebody, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, but I believe God wants us to do something great in our lives. He wants to, to push us past just this notion of ordinary living, simple living to the extraordinary. See, he wants us to create a legacy for ourselves personally that reaches far beyond just what we can imagine. Think about the, the opportunity of being in heaven and running into people that you may have never met but they come running up to you, embracing you and saying, because you planted this seed, because you believed in God in this way, so-and-so 10 years down the road say, helped get me to a place where I found Jesus. They saved my life. Isn't that going to be a beautiful thing? See, that's the legacy that I want. That's the legacy that God wants for us, is that we're doing something great, something beyond what we can imagine. And you might be like, Brian, where is this coming from? Where do you even see this? And I want to tell you, this is Jesus's words in John 14, 12. This is him speaking. And he says this, I tell you the truth. And, and you can mark it right now. Anytime Jesus says, I tell you the truth, what he's saying is, is you need to pay attention to the next thing I'm going to say. I really want you to focus in, zone in on what I'm about to say. That's what Jesus is saying right here. And he says this, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What had he been doing? He'd been healing people. He'd been freeing people. He'd been changing their lives. That's what he'd been doing. But it, it gets, gets even better. It goes past that. He says, he will even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. See, God is calling you to a greater things life this morning. And the key to this, the key component out of all of it, the one word in that statement is faith. And do you remember what faith is? Because we get the definition in Hebrew chapter one. It's just now faith is the confidence in what we have hoped for and the assurance about what we do not see. See, and that's the key to this. Some of you this morning, you've lost your hope. You've lost your hope this morning. And because of that, your lives have become ordinary, simple. You don't know what it is to dream anymore. You don't know what it is to live past the moment. Life has become so thought out. And hear me, I'm not saying that that's entirely wrong, but you never leave any margin for God to use you or do something in your life dramatic. It's become so plotted out. That if God doesn't come and fit inside your life, it doesn't work. And he's, he's calling you to something more this morning. And in order to get to this great things journey in life or this legacy in life, we understand that faith is our key component and we begin to understand something. And I want to take you back to an Old Testament story to really kind of illustrate this point and pull three things from it. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 3. And before I read some text, I'm just going to set it up. Basically what's going on at this point is simply this. 
is that the, the nation of Israel had split in two. So there was a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. One of them had decided they were going to keep the name Israel. And the others decided their name was going to be Judah. And so basically what happens is, is the king of Israel and the king of Judah now decide that they're going to partner with the king of Edom. And they're going to go and battle the king of Moab, right? They're, they're going to, to wage war. And what they're doing in their minds is, is they're going, I'm going to stack the deck. I mean, we're going to outnumber this one king so much that God doesn't have to show up. We're already going to win this thing because we've outnumbered it. We've built it up enough in ourselves that we don't need any outside help. We got this, you know, we know what we're doing here. And then I love when people get that mindset and God goes, well, watch this. And so this is what happens here. And it's starting in verse nine. And just hang with me because I'm going to pause and just kind of break it down a little bit as we go through. But it says this. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. It's like, let's pause right there. Did you, did you hear something familiar in that verse? Was there something that just kind of caught your eye? For me, how many remember the story of Jericho, right, growing up? Where God spoke to Joshua and gave him a seven-day march around, and then the miracle of the walls came down. See, these guys were so caught up in thinking they could do everything in themselves, they started to reenact an old miracle, right? They were like, watch this. We're going we're gonna to get this crazy messed up and it's just gonna it's gonna work like crazy and then they start doing the march and they realize well this ain't working because we got no water and so look at what the king even says he exclaims what you know it was like that you know if you've on social media that woman that was by the fire like what what you know like what's going on here <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> i heard that too hannah that was good uh but I mean, that's, that's even, when you read your Bible that way, it makes it so much more fun, doesn't it? I mean, come on. You got to be with me on this one. And so this is, you know, he's, he's not, he's like, we did everything right. What's wrong here? And so this is what he says. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah, said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? And an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha is here. He's the one that used to pour water on the hands of Elijah, Jehoshaphat said. And so the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha then said to the king, what do we have to do with each other? And so what is Elijah saying here? He's like, dude, I don't like you. Why are you here? Right? He's, he goes on to say right there, why don't you go and inquire of your other prophets, your father's prophets, your mother's prophets. Don't, you know, don't come talk to me. You haven't wanted to have anything to do with me until this moment. So why are you coming to me now? But look at what Elisha does. He says, now, because I have respect, if you will, for the king of, or for King Jehoshaphat, this is what you need to do. He said, I will, I will not look at you or even notice you, but we're going to do this. And so you need to understand that, that Elisha's about to do something and show these three kings something significant about faith. And so what does he do? This is what Elisha says. He says this, but now bring me a harpist, right? We go back to that. What, what moment? What? We're in the middle of war, Elisha. You want mood music? 
we're looking for a battle plan. We're looking for what to do next. And you want songs? But Elisha teaches them something that's very key in this moment. And the first thing is simply this, that faith is birthed in God's presence. What Elisha was trying to teach the kings was is that they needed to get in an atmosphere. They needed to position themselves in a place that they could hear from God, that they could experience God, get vision from God. Watch this. Grant, Grant's awesome, isn't he? He's a pretty cool guy. Um, yeah. That's right. He's going to help me out here. So he's going to start playing, right? And, and just watch as he begins to pray how eloquent my words become, right? All of a sudden, they just have a deeper impact. You know, the atmosphere in our room changes in an instant with worship behind it. You know, when we're intentional about setting ourselves in the place where God can speak, there's, there's just, there's something different about it. Stop for a minute, Grant, right? Everybody's like, what? That was good. Why'd you stop? You see that it changes again, right? See, and this is what Elijah's doing. Go ahead, Grant. Continue to play for a moment. Is he's showing them that your faith has to be birthed somewhere. It can't be in and of yourself. You've got to position yourself with God. You've got to find a way to get in close to him, right? It can't always be about this pros and cons list. I've built up this great army. I know I can go in and take this. Or I've built up this great mass of wealth. I can just go in and do whatever I want. No, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be something behind it, some substance, some faith. There's got to be more. And it's got to start in the presence of God. And some of you, you're like, you know what? This sounds nothing like my house though, Brian. You don't even know. My house is just full of screaming kids, stuff banging off the wall, and maybe even a screaming teenager here or there. So how do I get to this place? How do I get to this place? Because I got bad news for you. Grant doesn't get to go home with you, okay? Well, he might if you offer him a salary. I don't know. So... And so you have to be intentional about finding time, finding a place. Put on some worship music of your own, right? When you get home from work and you're ready to kill anything that steps in front of you or talks to you, put some worship music on. Change the mindset. Be intentional about positioning yourself in the presence of God. Before you get up in the morning, some worship music while you're getting ready to leave. Let that vision, let the faith of God just rise in you in that moment. It's a beautiful thing, right? Would you give it up for Grant? Isn't he amazing? He's good. Thank you, Grant. I, just, I really wanted to drive that point home and, and I'll, I'll take a time out here because just like Grant, we've got a ton of amazing students in our youth ministry. And I just encourage you, if you get a chance to talk to some of them today, encourage them, lift them up. In the world that we live in today, it's really, really easy to belittle them, begrudge them, kick them kind of under the rug. And what they need the most is, is for us to get behind them and say, you know what? Your dreams aren't too big. You can do this. And so I encourage you to do that today. You with me? All right, let's do it. And so let's go on. And so the second thing Elijah does, which is, again, it just kind of baffles the kings. But he says this. He says, 
This is what the Lord says. So, okay, after he's had his moment, he's shown them that that we've got to be in the presence. God speaks. He gives vision. And this is God's vision. He says this, make this a valley of ditches. So what does he say, right? You're like, again, it's that what moment. Like, I was expecting God to say, get your buckets ready because here comes the rain. But he says, start digging some ditches. Start working. Start preparing yourself. And so the second thing is is faith goes beyond inspiration to participation. See, God wants to use you. God always wants to be actively involved with you. What does that look like for you and I? It means that we need to position ourselves where God's moving. Get involved in what God is doing. And so what does that look like for us? Maybe it's getting involved in a small group. Maybe it's getting involved on a serve team or our dream team. Maybe it's getting involved at Peace by Peace or the Marketplace. You know, finding an avenue, the bus ministry. Finding an avenue to be where God is and start working. Start digging opportunities, right? Position yourself in opportunities to make a difference. See, we all want to make a difference. It's woven into us. Whether we express it or not, it's there. And we have to be intentional about putting ourselves in a place that we can be used. See, God operates through us. He wants to do great things through us, but he still needs us to take that step and to take that move towards him. And then look at the next thing. This is the final thing. He says, for this is what the Lord says. Again, God speaks to him. He says, you will neither see wind nor rain. And so again, it's crazy. It's like, what, God? You know, we're we're dying of thirst here, and yet you're telling me we're not going to see any rain because that's what we would expect. But look at what God says. Yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. Listen to this. Here's, Here's the key. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord, and he will also hand over Moab to you. You notice that this is an easy thing for the Lord. See, I think for some of us, we look at some of those big dreams or we look at some of those big bucket list items and we go, There's, it's just, it's too big. And God's trying to whisper to you today, you know what? That's easy for me. I got a cheetah around the corner. <laughs> He's just waiting. He's going to show up at your back door. Not really, but it'd be nice. Now there is going to be one and I'm going to be in trouble, right? <laughs> God's going to be like, watch this. I'm going to show you. But... Faith continues even when there's nothing to see, right? See, for some of you today, I feel like you've thrown in the towel. You've given up, not because you haven't been intentional about spending time in the presence of God or you haven't tried to grow your faith or you haven't been serving or you haven't been giving of yourselves, but because you're not seeing direct results. You're not seeing an immediate difference in your life. And so you're ready to throw in the towel and you're like, what? nothing's changing. I've been praying for my son or daughter to come to know you, God, for 13 years. And it hasn't happened. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. And God's going, no, just hang in there. Water will show up. It'll be there. You just have to have faith past what you can see. And so this morning, I want to close with the video. And I want to encourage you because this video, yes, it does speak to financial peace and the Freedom Project. But if you listen to the story here, 
and you really allow yourself, you'll see the faith element that plays out in this story and that it's, it is, yes, there are practical things that you and I have to do in life. There are practical things that we have to start putting in place, but we have to be willing to trust God and go beyond what we can see, what we can imagine, and what we can hope. So watch this video. Hi everyone, I am Glennis Wolfschlager, and this is my husband Norm, and we've been married for 32 years. Both of our family backgrounds are ones that are a little bit um, dysfunctional in many ways. Both are, both uh, my mom and dad worked very hard. Uh, Glennis's dad uh, worked very hard. Glennis's mom is a stay-at-home mom and worked hard raising four kids. And we, my mom and dad, had four kids. Even though everybody was working hard, making a lot of money, there was problems in the family. So we kind of got together and somehow ended up staying, dating, staying together, and uh, got married again very young. We started having kids a few years after that. So both of us worked uh, jobs, uh, various jobs pretty hard. At that time I was very unhappy. I had three small children and I was working um, swing shifts and my desire was to be home with my kids and we had argued and you know discussed back and forth about me not working um, and he had always said no that's not an option. We don't have the money for that. We had just purchased our second house right before the twins were born planning on using my income to, you know, help with the house payment and such. But um, times were rough um, then. We didn't have enough money. We were starting to struggle to pay our bills. We were charging things on the credit card, like formula for our daughters. Um, We were getting behind. We were two months behind in our house payment. And we were unhappy in our marriage struggling financially, raising three small kids, and times were just really hard then. The best thing that ever happened in our life was um, we got introduced to Jesus Christ and made Him the Lord of our life and started following Him. Things didn't automatically become better, but at that time, things began to change towards the better. Um, We reconciled our marriage and we started looking for ways that we could decrease our debt. Um, God provided the way for me to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom for nine years. And we had one additional child, so for four kids, I was able to stay home during their early child years and through some of elementary school, and that was um, very much a blessing to us. When uh, on the commute back and forth to work, I would lif- listen to Dave Ramsey, and, and uh, there were several books he'd put out, so I would get those from the library and uh, read those. So we started enacting act- some of those principles. I mean, we needed stuff done around the house. We could have put it on the credit card. You know, we needed work done to the bathroom. And, uh, and again, we could have put it on the credit card, but it wasn't really following the principles. Nobody had taught us how to spend money. Even though we could see them that they knew how to work and knew how to make money, nobody taught us how to manage manage the, the resources. You know, if I just worked harder that or more hours, that that would happen. But that's not what God told me to do. He told me to keep spending time with the kids, spend time with my wife, you know, investing in other people whenever possible and do that. And he would take care of it. 
but we kept on using God's principles as far as how to manage money. Um, we slowly started paying off some of the debts. If you would have told me, you know, 20 years ago that this would be my life now because of the sacrifices we made 20 years ago, I just, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that far into the future. We had a vision that God had given us of things we wanted to do with our lives. And not only for us, but we slowly started to get a vision for our, you know, not only kids, but our grandkids. For us, Financial Peace University was one of the major tools that God used to change our life. And I would just encourage you to um, make a commitment to attend the courses, buy the material, and be a part of it, and and just learn. Um, I can promise you that it will make your future a better place. really is a tremendous story and I think it speaks to exactly what we were shown today in scripture and that God desires for you to have a legacy to to make a difference and there are practical steps and I believe that the Freedom Project and FPU are a great start because I honestly believe that one of our biggest hindrances biggest struggles in living the life that God wants us to live is our view and how we use money And if we can understand that from his perspective and adapt to this faith and dream with what God wants us to do, I'm telling you, nothing is the limit for us as individuals and as a church. And so I just want to pray with you, and then we're going to close here in just a second. But would you just bow your heads with me? God, I just thank you right now. I thank you for each one in this room, Lord God. I pray right now, no matter where they are in life, Lord God, whatever state they're in in this moment, that they would begin to dream again, that they would see that you have purpose and a plan for them, Lord God. I pray, number one, that people would find you, they would know you, that they would discover freedom and find that there is freedom in who you are, God, that you can set them free from anything, be it sin, financial struggles, health struggles, whatever it is, Lord. But as they turn to you, that freedom is in you, that they would see that they have a purpose in life, that they're not just existing day to day, but that you have a plan for them, God. And then finally, that they could see and dream of the difference they can have and make the impact that they can have on their family, their friends, and just the people they come in contact with. And so I just pray today, God, if there is one that is searching for you, that you would turn their hearts to, towards you and they would say just a simple prayer of, God, I need you today. I need you to come into my life and renew me, restore me, wipe away the sins where I've fallen short, Lord God, and put me in a right relationship with you this morning. God, help each one, I pray. It's in your name. Amen. Amen.